good morning and welcome to the 2011 field season on the uh, English China shipwreck at Biscayne National Park. Uh, it's out there a little ways beyond the bay and on the other side of the islands. Uh, the, uh, the ship we suspect was, um, <clears throat> was wrecked carrying a load of uh, English ceramics from, from England to, to a destination unknown in, in the colonies in uh, sometime between 1765 and 1775. Uh, we're hoping to get a little bit more detailed information out of the site this year so that we can uh, pinpoint that date and, and hopefully pinpoint the, uh, the identity of the ship that, that wrecked so that, the, so that the park can better tell the story of one of our many shipwreck her heritage resources that, that we've got. One of the reasons why we picked the English China to do this to do this project this year is because it has had ongoing problems over the last couple of decades with uh, with with looting, uh, people coming into the park and uh, and visiting the site, which is which is acceptable and 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 what we what we hope for them, but uh, also taking objects away and digging holes, looking looking for looking for things in the site, and that causes a lot of damage and causes both destabilization and loss of archaeological information that uh, that we're not able then to interpret to the public. So uh, this year we decided that the, some of that looting was getting to the point where it was no longer tolerable how much information we were losing from the wreck and we decided to do a little bit more detailed investigation of uh, full ceramic inventory and, and some minor excavations in order to find out what we can before, it, before it's lost. Um, and in doing that, we've set up a, uh, a field school with Dr. Lovekman here, and he can uh, tell you a little bit about uh, the, the people who are participating and, and how the work is being done. Thanks. Uh, no, we're really pleased to be participating here. Uh, it's a really important archaeological site, uh, and uh, we're excited to be helping the park uh, to try to document and create a baseline that it can use to manage the site in the long term. Uh, and creating this baseline uh, will enable um, them to the, the park to monitor the site over over the long term to go back and see uh, that additional damage is not done. I think that's it's particularly important because this site uh, really is in a, a very interesting uh, occurs at a very interesting time in colonial history and in Florida's history, uh, and uh, contains uh, a lot of information that can speak to that uh, part of the past. And that's part of the reason that. Uh, we're really glad to participate in this field school uh, and to uh, participate in the non-destructive uh, documentation of this site, uh, mapping it out, uh, and also bringing uh, some of our uh, students from uh, various different institutions that have maritime archaeology programs, uh, including my own at George Washington University. Uh, and then uh, we also have the opportunity to bring in and uh, train people that are working with us in, in Africa. And so this is an important role as well for the field school uh, to build the capacity of partners, uh, not just uh, future heritage managers here in the United States, uh, but internationally. Uh, and uh, we've uh, had the privilege so far of bringing, uh, I think, six people uh, total to uh, Biscayne over the last few years. And this year, um, you know, we're excited to be working on this uh, and that Biscayne is willing to play a role in helping to train uh, partners internationally. So let's go out to the site.
let's head on down and take a look at the site. Once we get to the bottom, we'll take a quick look at, at, at what we can see of the shipwreck. What you'll see here is one of our site baselines that we work of while we're, while we're doing the testing. Uh, and, he, and here we are at the stern of the vessel. As we move across the site, you'll see the keel, which is the largest timber on the ship. It was fashioned out of a single tree. It's on the left here with the framing timbers off to the right. You'll also see a lot of flat bricks and broken ceramics. Uh, these are what gave the shipwreck its name, English China. Though we hope that by the end of our research we'll be able to restore the wreck's original moniker. We're now getting close to the uh, bow end of the ship, so uh, you can see that it's not enormous. Uh, the, the, whole, the, whole, the whole vessel itself was only about 70 feet long. But uh, despite its size, it could have had a crew of at least 12 and, all, and carried almost 200 tons of cargo. Here we see the frame again and the keel, which is the massive uh, timber perpendicular to the smaller ones. You can also see some of our uh, orange pin flags, which we use to designate locations for mapping and sampling during the project. One of the most important products of this field work will be an assembled photo mosaic of the site. A photo mosaic is an image of the entire shipwreck built out of hundreds of small photos all stitched together. We, we use them often in shipwreck archaeology since visibility underwater rarely allows you to see the whole wreck at once. Warren is shooting these images systematically using the site baselines as a guide. That way we can assemble them all into one big image later after we get the photos back to the lab. Here we see one of the field school participants at work in the water. Sean is recording details about a site feature near the bow of the vessel. He's creating an in-situ scale drawing of the object using direct measurements with those tape measures that you can see there. And by recording in his image the locations of each of the uniquely numbered orange pin flags you see. Those pin flag locations have all been mapped in relation to the site baselines. So, com so by combining the in-situ drawings like Sean's with the overall site plan, we're able to map to a very fine level of detail. Every, uh, every exposed timber, brick, and fastener on the site was mapped using these methods. Here, a couple of the field school students are gathering data on the dimensions of the flat bricks that are found all over the site. These bricks are of interest to us because they appear similar to ladrillos, which are bricks known to have been made in the New World by Spanish masons. If they are Spanish, then we have to wonder what they're doing on a ship loaded otherwise entirely with English export trade items. The English and the Spanish were not exactly seen eye to eye during the 18th century, and there were laws that banned trading between their respective colonies. Nevertheless, here the bricks are, so the questions that our students are looking to answer is whether or not the bricks are uniform and meet the dimensions of known ladrillos, and also whether or not they are, they are mostly broken or mostly whole. If they are predominantly whole, then it probably means that they were cargo, and we could have an interesting situation involving illegal trade. But if it turns out that they are mostly broken, then they may have simply been loaded on board as ballast. We will also be collecting a brick in order to do some laboratory studies on it that will tell us what region of the world the clay that was used in its manufacture came from. Here, Dr. Lubkamen is showing us one of the interesting artifact categories we found on the site. 
A number of these padlocks were discovered, all locked, none of them attached to latches. It may be that the locks, like the ceramics and maybe the bricks, were also cargo on the ship. What Steve's going to show us now is, is the bow end of the vessel. Here the vessel structure is so broken up that we believe that this part of the ship struck the seafloor violently during the sinking event. Also, there is substantial evidence that when the ship sunk that it was engulfed in fire. The fire was so hot that it burned some of the ceramic cargo on board. Steve is showing his burned and unburned ceramics here. Most of the burned ones are at the bow. All the wooden timbers, like these, at this end of the wreck are burned and fragmentary. What is preserved out here on the site are only the timbers that were portions of the lowest part of the ship, those parts that were below the waterline. The fact that the fire reached this far into the belly of the vessel before it sunks indicates that it must have been a rapid and massive fire. Well, let's head on up before we run out of air. The most exciting part of archaeology may be what we do out in the field, but we've got a lot of work to do back in the lab if we're going to piece together everything we've learned down here. Justine has been doing um, a lot of the, uh, cer the ceramic analysis back here in our makeshift laboratory here underneath Biscayne's headquarters. So uh, I'm curious to what, sh what her take is on these, uh, these particular patterns. What have you seen more of than anything else? Well, this particular plate, the Wheeldenware with the green spots and the tortoiseshell back, this is pretty much the most common thing on the ship, which is great because it's the best for dating. Yep. And the barley corn pattern is kind of looks like corn. Um, it's definitely the most common. It shows up also on the stoneware. I don't want to break it so you can see that. And the barley corn also shows up with different designs, uh, such as the diaper or the basket barley corn on this particular stoneware. So, Chuck, what's this? Why is it all discolored? It's a uh this is a piece of creamware um, with a feather edge molding decoration, another common type that's down there. The, the reason it looks like, like all this blackening on the plate is because it was burned and there's significant evidence on the site of burning, uh, that burning that took place that was either a cause or a direct effect of the actual wrecking incident. A lot of times with old wooden shipwrecks, colonial wrecks, um, after the ship sank, the, uh, the, the sailors would burn it to the, to the waterline, and that would be to, mostly to hide it from other people. They knew where their ship was and where their cargo was at, and they would come back and salvage it. But if you left it half out of the water sunk, then they yeah. would f other people would find it too. But that, I don't believe, is the case on this site. We found all of the cargo, just about every ceramic down there is burned. There's ash all over the site, and the most telling thing is that the lowest portions of the boat, the keel, uh, the Kielsen, their burn charcoal look. It looks like it looks like right out of a fireplace. So to have the to have the flames reach the bottom of the ship like that is pretty good evidence that it, that it fire played a role in the actual wrecking incident. 
This is uh, John Bright. He's an employee of the National Park Service's Submerged Resources Center in Denver, Colorado. They, uh, they work projects like this all over the country in national parks with submerged resources uh, all over. And uh, John's been here this, this last week helping us with the, the mapping of the ship's timbers. And uh, if, if he'd be so kind, I'd like him to tell us a little bit about what he's found so far and what he's drawn here on this map. All right. Well, what we've been working on is what's called a site plan, a, a bird's eye view of the site, uh, and in particular looking at capturing the remaining ship structure that is down at the site we've been working on. So just as the ceramics and the bricks and various artifacts are important to tell us the date, uh, where the ship was from, what it was carrying, all that kind of information, the manner in which the ship was constructed and the type of wood that was used is also very informative uh, and helps us figure out where it came from and what it could have been. So what we've done is, is gone down and uh, measured out and now we're drawing in these various features. So if you think of a ship, a wooden uh, sailing vessel from the 1700s, like you would think of a skeleton, it has a, a backbone, what we would call a keel, and that is this piece right here. It runs from end to end, and we think based upon the features that we're seeing here that we found both ends of the vessel, so we're looking then at a, at a ship or, or a type of wooden vessel that was approximately 60 to 70 feet long, and just like the skeleton metaphor where you have a backbone, you also have ribs that come out. You have things that are called frames, your, your floor timbers, Futtocks, uh, big wooden timbers that come off of the backbone and come up and make those rounded sides of the vessel. So just like you see a boat now and it has those big rounded sides, so did a wooden ship and that was made by bringing in these various wooden ribs all along the keel from end to end. Also like a skeleton where you have those ribs, you also have a sort of layer on top and underneath them sort of like you would think of skin. So we have the outside wood that form the outside skin of the vessel and then the inside wood that form the inside skin of the vessel. So once they would have that built up, then they could put the different layers in, the different deck layers, the masts, the rigging, pack the ship with cargo and sail to wherever, wherever they were going. Now luckily for us, different countries that were, that were plying the waters at this time built their ships differently. So if you were building ships in France, they had a, a relatively distinctive construction form versus building ships in North America or Great Britain or in the Netherlands, Dutch, Scandinavia. So we can look at the manner in which these parts, the, the keel and the frames, are arranged the way that they're fastened, the sizes of them, things like that, and that is a pretty good clue along with the ceramics and artifact data as to where this vessel was from, where we think it could be going, what it was carrying, uh, and the reason why it ended up um, in the bottomlands here in, in Biscayne National Park. Well, thanks, John, and um, I'll let you get back to work. All right, thanks, Chuck. <laughs> Um, well, I hope you enjoyed visiting us with us today on, uh, uh, on our field project this summer, and uh, we hope that you will visit with us again, come back to Biscayne, maybe you'll see some of the stuff that we've collected this year in our visitor center, or you come and see us and, we, uh, and, and take a look at the shipwrecks for yourself.